Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Awfully glad this is the time we get to be together. This is our afternoon time, and I hope it will be filled with faith and hope and clarity. In Psalm 19, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. How cool is that? So, according to an anonymous source, my show is the most popular afternoon show in North America. I love anonymous sources because you really can't trace them. And I I, might have just made that up. But it's because of listeners like you that let us know how much you enjoy Faith Radio and how much uh, we appreciate you listening and supporting us. So thank you. I think it's just time to honor my listener and say at the end of a long week, you are awesome. And I love this time with you. So thank you. All right, we're going to have a great hour uh, coming up. Uh, Gil Mertz is going to be with us in just a minute. He's the president at the Family Research Council in Washington, D.C. His topic is on forgiveness, and you can forgive your way to freedom, reconcile your past, and reclaim your future. I already know that people uh, who are hearing this have said, ooh, I'm stuck in an unforgiving sort of relationship. I can't forgive. I haven't been able to forgive yet. How do I forgive And I think you're going to want to ask questions today. I think you're going to want to get to the bottom of this and start getting this uh, dealt with. And you can uh, text your questions right now at 877-933-2484. I will ask Gil whatever questions you have. It's going to be a wonderful hour. We're going to talk about how to understand forgiveness and uh, letting go and moving on from past hurt and you don't want to be a prisoner to unforgiveness. That's all coming up on the next hour. Let's take 60 seconds and bring on Gil. For 70 years, Faith Radio has been a trusted voice sharing the good news of the gospel, lifting up the name of Jesus, and helping listeners grow in their faith. God has been so faithful to us in this ministry, thanks to the financial investment of thousands of friends just like you. But your partnership is still needed for the work ahead. Join us today with a gift at MyFaithRadio.com or by calling 877-93-FAITH. Have you ever found yourself laughing at a funeral? Humor and grief may seem like emotions that are opposite ends of the spectrum, but when they converge, something beautiful can happen. Faith Radio and University of Northwestern St. Paul are offering a free online course, Navigating Grief with Humor, which is designed for both grievers and those who desire to help. In this free course, find out how humor can help a grieving heart cope, build resilience, and find purpose during moments of sorrow. Learn more and register online today at MyFaithRadio.com. I'm not saying Gil Mertz is intimidating, but he is a little. He's a radio host, former radio host. He's got this beautiful set of pipes. That voice is just mellifluous. I'm not even sure if I know what that word means, but I think it's a good word. 
and he's been a guest on the show before, and I can't wait to have him back. I said to Rebecca, the producer, let's get Gil on, and all of a sudden, Gil's here for the full hour. Gil, welcome back. Hey, Bill. I'm glad to be back. Um, can I just clarify one quick thing before we move on? Oh, please. You are so kind, and I may have given you the wrong information. I think you introduced me as the president of Family Research Council. No, assistant which- to the president. I beg you, then I heard wrong because I was going to say uh, Tony Perkins would find that unforgivable. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> no, I said he's assistant to the president. There you go. I, then I, it's my bad. So I, let's start with you forgiving me. Then how's that? <laughs> <laughs> already done, Bill. Let's, let's practice what we're about to preach. Yeah, already done. This is a tough topic for so so many people. Indeed. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. I, you know, would you just share with listeners the personal testimony of you forgiving your dad? Well, it, uh, it's certainly highlighted in the book, uh, in, in the opening chapter. Uh, I was also greatly privileged to have that entire testimony at the Focus on the Family national broadcast about two weeks ago. So let me give you the uh, Reader's Digest version of that, because I would love to take more questions and, and also oh, take sure. calls from your listeners. But, um, yeah, I, uh, um, I had a dad uh, that I think knew the best, he did the best that he knew how to do, but he had a terrible role model as a father for him. And so uh, we had quite a few problems growing up. Um, And when we, uh, when I left home, I just completely lost track of my dad. He and my mom had divorced. And so I hadn't spoken to my dad in like 10 years. And it wasn't so much that we were angry at each other or had a big falling out. We, We had just drifted apart. And, um, uh, I got the news that my father was going to die. Uh, he'd been battling cancer for a while, so that didn't come as a big surprise. But I really did not have any intention of even going to his funeral or being a part of that. It just almost felt hypo- uh, hypocritical to me. But God really began to convict me, Bill, about not only going to see my dad, but really trying to reconcile with him, um, even if it was just you know at the end of his life. And uh, through a series of events, that that happened. I, I met with my dad. It was a dramatic um, time that we had together, uh, being open and honest and being able to forgive him. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it was good for my dad. It was a, a load off of him. But really, the, the one who experienced the most freedom from that whole experience, Bill, was me. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why we titled the book, Forgive Your Way to Freedom, uh, because um, forgiveness is, is more of a means to an end. It, it's the path I take. But what is the end goal? What is the benefit? Uh, what do I get when I'm able to forgive? And the answer to that question is freedom. You're now free to not be encumbered by the past. You're free to live in the present. And you're free to pursue your purpose for the future. And once you've been set free, Bill, honestly, there's just nothing you can't do. There's nothing, no longer anything holding you back. Very true. So, Gil, let me throw this line out and tell me what you think of this line. The degree degree to which you don't forgive is the degree to which you suffer. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's well stated, Bill. Um, There is no one who benefits more than I do when I forgive but there is no one who suffers more than I do when I don't forgive. Mm-hmm. So forgiveness really is about me. It, it is about setting myself free to make me, so God can you know, make me the, the person I was created to be. Because it, it's, it's, you know, life's traumas get in the way of God's purpose. 
And some people never get over that, or it somehow holds them back. Whereas if we can forgive, uh, we are set free, and uh, and, and we can begin to love and, and uh, have relationships that we didn't have before and experience life on a whole uh, other, uh, you know, on a whole other level that we would have been deprived of if we had held on to our unforgiveness. Mm-hmm. Gil, is forgiveness a process? Is it something that, that needs to be done in layers? Um, I mean, if you betrayed me over 15 years and I just got that information and I'm just devastated, and you show up the next day and go, hey, I'm sorry. Um, oh, my. What a, that what a great question. That doesn't uh, work, does it? It doesn't, Bill. Um, and, and what a great question there. I like to answer that question that it is both an immediate commitment and a process. Okay. So in other words, um, rather than go through a long, long process before I can say to, to this person I, or, or to acknowledge that I'm going to forgive this person, I believe that God wants us to make that commitment immediately. But we also need to work through the heavy emotions that are involved in the forgiveness process. So you can say, you know, I I forgive. um, And you can release that person. And but it will it will take time to kind of work through that. Uh, In my book, uh, Forgive Your Way to Freedom, I talk about a four step process. where I need to release the power of forgiveness. God has given us everything we need to forgive. We oftentimes think we're waiting on God to do something, when the whole time, Bill, God is waiting for us to do something. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. you know, God has done everything he needs to do. He has forgiven us, right? He has given us Jesus to demonstrate what forgiveness looks like. He's given us his Holy Spirit to empower and enable us to forgive. He's given his Bible with clear instructions on how we're to forgive. So there's nothing more that God needs to do for us to forgive. We just need to use the power that he's already given us to forgive. But that's just the first step in the process. So we want to give people a clear understanding of what forgiveness is, what it's not, uh, so people have a good working biblical understanding of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. But then the second process uh, is that I want to release my pain of the past. And we can't rush through that, Bill. And the reason why people continue to struggle is they haven't worked through all of that. And so they need to release their pain of the past. Then they need to re, uh, restore their peace in the present. And uh, by that, I mean to be able to uh, go out with people that you weren't able to forgive before or, or to uh, restore relationships you know, in your family or among your friends. It's all about... Uh, restoring the peace where I'm at right now. But then finally, that last step uh, is to reclaim your purpose. God has always had a very special purpose for your life. Uh, But God, uh, but you know, things happen. Life happens. And so when we're able to work through that forgiveness process, only then can we reclaim God's purpose for our life and live in freedom and experience life to its fullest. Yeah, wow. It's going to be a fascinating hour with Gil Mertz. If you have a question about forgiveness, maybe you've struggled yourself, maybe you need some counsel, let us know what the question is, 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. If you've been a prisoner to unforgiveness, let's uh, let's do some business today with that. Let's, let's work on that together, all right? Gil Mertz is my guest. We'll be back in 90 seconds. 
We're talking about forgiveness today. My guest, Gil Mertz, has written a book called Forgive Your Way to Freedom, Reconcile Your Past and Reclaim Your Future. So we want to talk about that today with you. We want you, if you have a a question or um, a concern or you need some wise counsel, let us know what it is, 877-933-2484. So, Gil, maybe you would chat about some common responses. Um, When you teach on forgiveness, what do you hear from people? What are some of the most common ones? Well, when I uh, talk to people about uh, teaching on forgiveness, before we really get into the teaching, a lot of people just feel like, well, you know, um, I hope that's helpful for other people, but I don't have an issue uh, with forgiveness. I've never had an issue with forgiveness. And and so, and I, you know, if I know them well, or I, or I may, you know, respectfully push back and say, so there's no one you need to forgive, and there's no one whose forgiveness you need to seek. Yeah, that's right. And I'll say, can I just shake your nail-scarred hand? Because <laughs> you have obviously reached a level that none of us have. Um, but anyway, so that's a pretty common one. Uh, another one is people are kind of convicted because, oh, boy, this is something I don't want to have to deal with. Uh, it will tug and pull at some scabs that have grown over in my heart. And so I would really, you know, it, I, I would just really rather not deal with it. I know I need to do something, but I, I, I'm just convicted about it. But uh, the other common one, Bill, is people are just confused. It's remarkable, uh, the misunderstandings that people have about forgiveness. That's actually been studied scientifically with some uh, serious polling. And uh, uh, one, for example, one poll that came out from the Barna Group years ago was that uh, they did a series of questions uh, about forgiveness. And based on the answers, they were able to determine how that lines up with the biblical view of forgiveness. And in their research, they found that only 6% actually had a clear biblical understanding of forgiveness. That means 94% are not exactly sure of what that's all about. And so the question, Bill, is if 94% don't fully understand it, what percent do you think are actually practicing it? Mm-hmm. So there's, a, but, but let me also say that in the book, uh, there is a 25-question survey that you can take. And it was these responses that kind of uh, inspired putting together this list. And what I encourage people to do is, and by the way, they can get this at my website too, at gilmerts.com. They can take a free survey and read these questions and try to answer them honestly. And then they'll come back and say, oh my, where is this class? I need to sign up right away. Or where? how can I get your book? Uh, because it really reveals that, yeah, it is an issue for me, and I need to do something about that. And then after they go through the book or after the, the class, they're just a, a completely different person because they just had these preconceived ideas that this wasn't an issue for them. But to one level or another, Bill, forgiveness impacts everybody. Mm-hmm. So true. Um, here's a listener, Gil. Uh, Madison said, uh, do you... F- how do you forgive somebody of something in their past while you're still trying to get to know them and build a relationship? Because their past could affect you. How do you forgive somebody else, forgive somebody else's past and not let it affect the current relationship? Hmm. Well, um, I want to answer that question with a question. Why would I need to forgive someone else's past? 
Um, now, maybe I'm not fully understanding the question, but if, let's say, for example, I'm getting to know someone and I learn some things about this person, that uh, about their past. Uh, I would, so I would first of all ask myself, is this something that I need to forgive? If they've done something to someone else, for example, why would I need to forgive what they did to someone else? Uh, the other thing is I, I may discover that uh, if this person has a history of this, of, of, of some sort of behavior, uh, and they've not repented of that, not dealt with it, not worked through it, well, that very obviously is going to spill over into your relationship, and that should be a warning sign that maybe this is a person that, uh, uh, you know, maybe this isn't a potential friend or, or, or partner or whatever that relation, that close relationship might be. So I don't know if I'm answering that question. I, I, that's a great question, but it, I seem to have more questions than yeah, answers. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, it, you know, it sounds like there could have been something in a in a person's past that, you would have trouble with. You'd go, oh, boy, that was that was difficult and not right. And um, maybe you've been forgiven, but I don't know how I feel about what you've done. Um, and I need to well, I need to forgive in my heart what you did if I'm going to move forward with you in a relationship. What what a great question uh, that Madison asked, uh, and a challenging question. Again, I think my initial response is: Is this something that I need to forgive? Uh, it's a little different if it's someone that I'm willing to love anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to accept them anyway. Uh, again, uh, providing that they have dealt with this this issue that seems to be raising its uh, you know raising its head in your relationship, uh, that could be a warning sign, as I mentioned before. But I think to me, it's more a matter of loving, forgiving, extending grace. Yeah. But I don't know how you forgive someone for something they did to someone I else. I get it. All right. Here's a question from Justin. Is there a sure. gentle way to encourage someone to forgive when you know they are harboring unforgiveness towards someone? Hmm. Great question, Justin. Thank you. And uh, probably this person, um, well, first of all, the person that they need to forgive. Uh, I would ask Justin, do they know they need to forgive this person? Mm-hmm. Uh, because so many times when someone is confronted with something they did, either they did not mean it, it was miscommunicated, there was some sort of breakdown in the communication. And so I would go there first. I would make sure that this person understands what they did. Because most times they'll say, oh, my goodness, I I had no idea that it happened. Thank you for telling me. I'm going to make that right right away. Mm-hmm. But if the person is is uh, knows they did something wrong and is is pushing back, well, it's impossible for us to control someone else's behavior, and so it, it would be a bit of a challenge. One of the reasons I wrote the book "Forgive Your Way to Freedom" was uh, it, it is not just it's certainly biblical but it's also very clinical, but it's highly practical. A lot of people want to forgive, they just don't know how. Or it seems like an overwhelming task that I just don't even get started, you know, uh, with that. Um, so uh, certainly offering them a book like mine or my book uh, to do that. Or, uh, again, if they go to the, my website at gilmerts.com, there is a free download of 25 questions that you need to answer, and that will tell you where you are in the forgiveness process. That might be a good step. 
uh, and just ask them, you know, would you do me a favor? Uh, I, I think this is an issue, and I love you. I care about you. I, I, and, and I think that there's an issue of forgiveness here, but would you consider just taking this survey? Um, and, and, you know, something else that Justin can do, Justin, Justin can take the survey for this friend of his mm-hmm. and answer how he thinks, how he perceives the situation. And it may sound off all kinds of alarm bells, or he may look at that and say, well, maybe it's not as bad as I thought. But anyway, that would be probably a good first step, Bill, is yeah. to uh, get download that uh, that free 25-question evaluation. And, and maybe that's a good first step to give this to your friend. Justin. Yeah, and I bet Justin will do that because he's a good guy. So here's a question. This is a pretty clear cut, uh, but your thoughts on Luke 17.3. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. Right. And then what does the Bible say to do if he does not repent? Nothing. Uh, it, it doesn't say anything. Uh, here, here's my point. <laughs> exactly. We, we kind of presume that what that verse is saying is that if he doesn't repent, because of the word if, if he doesn't repent, or if he does repent, forgive him, then we, we tend to expand on that and say, so then my common sense would be that if he doesn't repent, I don't have to forgive him. I'm off the hook. Right. Um, so, um, but you have to weigh that verse with the entire body of Scripture. And is and is Jesus contradicting himself here, or do we put that in the context of all of Scripture, which tells us that we must forgive regardless of my offender's response? So I don't think that is what Jesus. I don't think Jesus is implying that you know confront him and if he repents, forgive him. Jesus does not go uh, beyond that. But in that passage, I must also add that Jesus is talking about uh, reconciliation. And that's a little different than forgiveness. Okay. Forgiveness is something that I must do. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, regardless of whether they repent or not, I must forgive. I must do that for my own sake. Uh, remember that Christ died for us in Romans 5.8 while we were yet sinners. Mm-hmm. So Jesus didn't say, okay, Bill, now you repent, and then I'll climb on that cross and I'll die for you. Right. Jesus right. died for you, Bill, before you even repented, Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so we must have, we must always be willing to extend forgiveness. Now, if this person does not repent, what that means is we are not going to have a relationship, or at least not for now. Yeah. As much as I would like to have that, unless there is repentance, I cannot restore that relationship. Yeah. I can forgive someone without reconciling with them. Yeah. All right. I knew this hour was going to go fast, Gil, and it's going fast already. We're already halfway done. Gil Mertz is my guest. His book is Forgive Your Way to Freedom, Reconcile Your Past and Reclaim Your Future. If you have a forgiveness issue or concern or you need some counsel, let us know what that question is. 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. We'll be back in about two minutes or three minutes with Gil.
Gilbertson is my guest today, assistant to the president at Family Research Council in D.C. He's written a book called Forgive Your Way to Freedom, Reconcile Your Past, and Reclaim Your Future. And, Gil, right before we went to break, we were talking about forgiveness and reconciliation. I think we can chat about that some more. That's a, that's a big one. Let's, let's see if we can clearly understand the two. You bet, um, Bill, because there, there is a lot of confusion about that. Uh, let me go back to what I said just before the break, that, that there is a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness is something that I must do. I must be willing to let this person go. And by the way, <laughs> they may be off your hook, but they are not off God's hook. Okay. And God can deal with them much more fair, much better than what we could ever do. So I must be willing to let them go for my own sake. So I'm not pulled down uh, into that. But then uh, if, if that relationship is something that is important to me, something that I would love to see restored. For example, like a marriage relationship. I mean, I love what uh, uh, Billy Graham's wife, uh, Ruth Graham, once said, that marriage is the union of two good forgivers. And, uh, <laughs> you know. Fantastic. Uh, uh, yeah. So, obviously, that's a relationship uh, that I that is important to me. And there's other relationships in my life where if we've had a fracture, you know, that's important to me, and I want to restore that. That doesn't mean if I if I reconcile with someone, oh, now do do we have to be friends again? No. Uh, you you can forgive them, but if you don't have a desire for a relationship with this person, the Bible just tell us tells us to do the best we can. Um, but but uh, you know if someone has been seriously violated in their life, I would hope in time they could uh, find the the healing and the peace they need to forgive. But God would not expect you to have a, an ongoing relationship with this person. Um, but so here's how I can tell what, when do I know that I should reconcile when the relationship is more important than your issue that is separated you. Um, for example, and, and I, and I've worked with countless couples over the years and, uh, one in, in particular I'm thinking of where there was, uh, there was adultery involved in that marriage. And it was really, really hard to work through the forgiveness of that. But they both decided that our relationship, our marriage is more important than this horrible mistake that one of us made. And so there was forgiveness there, but also reconciliation because they wanted that relationship to work. So uh, once I've forgiven, then I need to decide, is this a relationship that, that I want to I want to try to restore and, and make better. It doesn't always happen because, as I said earlier, you cannot control the behavior of someone else. But if you are waiting for them to do something before you can forgive, then you've lost total control. You have surrendered control of the situation because now I'm going to wait until they do something. Well, what if they never do something? Mm -hmm. Or what if this person, for example, might be a parent who has died or you know, some other family member and, and they're gone? They'll never be able to come back to you and say anything. So, again, forgiveness is about exercising my power. Unforgiveness is being subject to someone else's power. Mm -hmm. That's the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. One I must do, one I can choose to seek to do, um, and hopefully that would happen if that relationship is important to you. Yeah, awesome. Gil, it's a bunch of uh, listeners are pouring in with questions. Over the past 10 years, I've made several attempts to reconcile with my sister. She's been angry about something for years. She lashes out at me verbally whenever she gets angry. I've apologized several times and asked her for forgiveness, which she has done rather reluctantly. 
She recently lashed out at me again now that I feel our relationship is broken again. Any thoughts? Oh, it breaks my heart to hear oh, that. Me too. And I've heard it so many times. Well, uh, and um, did you give the name of that, of that caller? And if not, that's fine. Yeah, that's Anne it. is her name. Anne, mm -hmm. if you're listening, bless your heart. Yes. Um, you're doing the right thing. But again, you can only do so much. Your sister, for you to have a relationship, it does, in this case, it does take two. Um, I'm reminded of the story of the prodigal son. And this father had the wherewithal where he could have chased down his, his prodigal son and he could have drug him home and demanded, you know, now you apologize, you make this right. But the Bible says that he just, he waited and waited and waited. And he'd say, you know, he would look out waiting for his son to come home. And he just had to pray and wait for what to happen, for his son to come to his senses. And he did. And there is nothing more that you can do with your sister than what you've already done. It's now up to your sister. But this is no longer between you and your sister. It is between your sister and God. And you need to pray, Anne, and have others join you, that, that God will touch the heart of your sister and that she will genuinely come to you and, and you know, accept whatever it is that she needs to accept. But I think she may also need to confess to you about her attitude, um, because the level of repentance will dictate the level of your relationship. If some, like you said earlier, Bill, if you know, after all these years of abuse, someone just says, "Oh, by the way, I'm sorry." Well, we're not going to have a very good relationship. But if someone comes to you broken and sincere and humble and genuine and specific um, about what they've done, that's going to dictate the quality of your reconciliation. It's going to be so much better. But and uh, all I can say to you is, is you've done all that you can do. Now it's, it's, it's the Holy Spirit that's going to have to uh, help your sister come to her senses. Your job is to just wait at the wall of reconciliation. Wait for her to come to you. There's nothing more you can do. Uh, beautiful, Gil. Um, I have some really smart uh, listeners. Well, all of them are smart. But here's one from Leanne. This is just a thought. She said, there's enough darkness trying to turn me from Jesus. Why would I help it by harboring unforgiveness in my heart? <laughs> you know well I mean? said, Leanne. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Um, my mother told me my twin sisters were special, meaning I was not. She puts me down repeatedly. I've asked her to stop. What happens when a person claims to be a Christian and keeps emotionally hurting someone they claim to love? Mm, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's tough out there, Gil. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I mean, the things that go on in families behind closed doors. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it, and, and, you know, and it can be, you know, uh, Bill, and I'll, I'll get, I'll get to that, that question in just a moment. Um, I recently had a reunion with uh, uh, someone that I grew up with that lived right across the street from me in a very happy, loving home, or so I thought. And she revealed to me in tears that her father, who's now long gone, had sexually abused her for years. And I mean, someone had to pick me up off the floor. I just could not believe, uh, you know, the, the level of that betrayal that was going on right, right across the street from me as growing up as a kid. But back to the question about the twin sisters. Wow. Um, and so is this Leanne we're, I'm, I'm, I'm talking nope. to? No, this is someone else. I'm sorry. I beg, I beg yeah. your pardon. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, the fact that you've confronted your mom and talked to her about it, uh, I commend you for that. That took courage, and that was the right thing to do. Um, here you have a situation of a repeat offender, and people struggle with that all the time. How often should I, you know, forgive? Um, one of two things have got to happen, I think. One is, is, is you can continue to, to keep, you know, lovingly remind her how that makes you feel. But if she chooses to, um, to, to not change, um, then the other thing that, that, that I think needs to happen is, is you need to accept that there is something deeply broken in her that motivates that behavior toward you. I don't think it's because she loves you any less. It sounds to me like, for whatever reason, there's something that is driving that behavior, and unfortunately, it is directed at you. So I, I hope that you can work through, you know, the truth is what sets us free, and I think the truth might be that your mother thinks that you are every bit as special as these twin sisters. But there's something else going on. There's something dark or broken in her life that is causing her to treat you that way. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to do this, but if you can have some sort of empathy toward your mother, try to understand that she's doing the best she knows how, but she just doesn't know how to do it very well. Mm -hmm. Um and that there, there may be something else that's motivating that. Yeah. You know, in, my, in my story, Bill, uh, about my father, who was very abusive growing up, uh, when I could understand what he went through as a kid and the horrible role model that he had from his father, it really helped me to have compassion for him. My anger was replaced with love and compassion once I could empathize, once I could understand where he's coming from. So I would suspect that's probably what's at play with your mother, is that there's something else going on to make her do that. And uh, maybe you could explore that. I, I'm not sure. But just try to keep that in mind as you work to forgive her. Mm -hmm. Great answer, Gil. Another one that's just come in. I have a sibling that has emotionally abused me my entire life, has stolen from me, damaged my property, taken money. He has been a drug addict most of his life. And whether he's on drugs or not, he continues to abuse me. I want to forgive but have no relationship. How do you know when, you're, when you've forgiven so you can move forward? Wow. All right. I think we lost Gil there for a minute, which is not good. <laughs> I think what we'll do is uh, we'll take a break and we'll reconnect with Gil. You're listening uh, to uh, Afternoons with Bill, and we're going to uh, get Gil Mertz back on the line. We'll be back in 90 seconds. Hi, I'm Ted Ross with a Faith in Life Minute. If you're looking to take the next step in your career, business consultant and author David Stark recommends finding a mentor. Most of the time, if you ask somebody saying, would you mind if I shadow you for a day? Or can we sit down and talk about what you do? Or whatever the relationship's gonna be. Lots of people will do that. And so I don't have to stay stuck thinking, well, I'm putting all these resumes out there, um, jobs online, they didn't even call me back, which is just so frustrating and so discouraging, right? So I'm gonna go out there and talk to them. And the more you talk to them, they know people and you know people and you, you get the experience 
what language are they using? What are they reading? You know, who are they connected to? You know, how does life work for them? And so worlds open up that way. Learn more on career planning from a biblical perspective from David Stark at MyFaithRadio.com. back to the show. I crave high-pressure moments like that, where the guest just goes away in the middle of the question, <laughs> and now he's back. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being back, uh, uh, Gil. Let me uh, re-ask the question, just so we can get yeah, back in sync, do. because yeah. it's, a, it's a powerful question. It is. Yeah. Uh, a sibling um, that's been emotionally abusive the whole life, stolen from me, damaged my property, took money, been a drug addict most of his life. So whether he's been on drugs or not, he's, he's been abusive. So I want to forgive, but I have no relationship with him. So how do you know when you've forgiven so you can move forward? I, I think this, um, this caller is confusing forgiveness with reconciliation. And, and it happens all the time. So l- l- let me uh, clarify that. Uh, that somehow you think, I haven't forgiven him if I don't have a relationship with him. And that's not true. Um, this is not going to sound very loving, but it is, it is based on truth. God does not expect you or desire for you to have a relationship that is so abusive like what you're experiencing with your brother. So this, this is the part that won't sound very loving, but stay away from him is my immediate response. Hmm. Uh, this person is poison in your life. This person is hurting you. Uh, has no sign of remorse, it sounds like to me. So you can forgive this person, but just not have anything to do with him. Uh, Unless, again, he comes around and and perhaps he'll find Jesus and his life will be transformed and a relationship would be possible. But there is nothing wrong with you staying away from this person that does not mean you haven't forgiven. Um, So that, that would be my advice to you is, don't think that I have to have a relationship with this person in order for me to forgive them. Um, and also, a lot of people, have, you know, they, they think, well, I, I think I've forgiven, but it still hurts, or I'm still struggling with memories. Um, well, look, if, if I go to the dentist and they numb me with Novocaine, and then I start hurting after it wears off, that doesn't mean that healing isn't taking place. Um, it, it's just a natural consequence of, of being hurt. So you've been hurt. It may take time. That's okay. But that doesn't mean you haven't forgiven. And don't let Satan whisper in your ear that you haven't forgiven. You've made a commitment to forgive. It will take time to work through some of those emotions. But God does not expect you to expose yourself to that continual abuse. Stay away from it. Mm -hmm. Wow. That was a powerful response. And I appreciate your candidness and boldness. That was uh, that was nice. All right. Uh, I was at church, and I put my heart out on my sleeve, admitted my anger at my brother who committed suicide. I was confronted saying, uh, I was a Christian, so I should know better than to be angry. Whoa. How do I forgive? It's, it's, um, uh, give me some feedback, Bill, on that question. Another great question from your audience. Is this person, um, I could see this going one of two ways. One, forgiving the brother who has committed suicide or forgiving yourself for being angry. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was, I, I, my guess it would be uh, forgiving the brother who committed suicide. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and let me just say to this caller, um, I had a brother who committed suicide. And that story is also in my book. So when, as soon as you read that, Bill, it just oh, crushed yeah, my heart. I'm so sorry because for both that, of you. That, yes, that's a unique kind of grief that uh, folks have to deal with. So, again, I appreciate the vulnerability, the transparency of your audience in asking these kind of hard questions. So um, you can forgive someone who is who has died. And one of the things I, you might want to consider when, when you think you're ready, because I, I, honestly, what is served by your continuing to be angry? It's like you have locked yourself in this jail cell and no one else is being hurt except you. And you've, you've created bars of anger or bitterness or resentment and no one is being hurt except you. Um, your brother, bless his heart, uh, he is gone, so your anger directed at him has no impact whatsoever on your brother. It only is hurting you. The good news is forgiveness is the key that will unlock that self-made prison that you're suffering in. You can let yourself out, uh, and you need to do that because, it, 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 again, you're, you're the only one being hurt by that. But just in case, let me also add that you need to forgive yourself because so many suicide survivors, if there is such a thing as that, but so many suicide survivors really struggle with forgiving themselves. I struggled with that for years with the suicide of my younger brother. He was 18 months younger than me, and we were very close. And I, um, you know, I just lived with so much deep regret until I learned that I needed to forgive myself. My brother had forgiven me a long time ago, you know, but I had to forgive myself. And uh, until I could do that, I, I also was not in freedom. So here's something you might consider doing. You might sit down and write out a letter, uh, a very detailed letter where you pour out all of your feelings, no matter how naked they may seem, just pour out your heart in a letter. And then if you're able to go and visit your brother's gravesite um, or something that would remind you of your brother and read that letter as though you're reading it to mm. him. And then here's the most important part. Leave it there. It will transform your life. So, you know, when, you, when you're dealing with someone who is no longer living, you can't talk to them face to face, but this would be the next best thing. And I think you'll find real healing if you try that. That's, again, um, how old were you when your brother committed suicide? Uh, let's see. I was, um, I was about 24 years old. Wow. And he was, so he was 22. Wow. Yeah, mm. his whole life in front of him. Oh. Gil, what was it like when you got that phone call? What was, what, what was that like? It was surreal. Yeah, I, uh, I'm sure it was. I got a phone call early in the morning. and Who called It you? was from an older brother. Okay. It, it, my older brother. Yeah. I have several brothers, actually, uh, from a family of... Uh, uh, ten brothers wow. and sisters. Yeah, um, he had called me the night before because he had taken an overdose, and uh, they were treating him at the hospital. And I had prayed all night that because I, I was living uh, a pretty good distance from that, from where he was, I had prayed most of the night and just fell asleep, praying and trusting that he would be okay. And mm -hmm. then he called me about six a.m. the next morning to tell me that he had he had passed during the night. I'm so sorry. It was surreal. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, takes my breath away. Um, would you talk about uh, the difference between wounds and scars? Oh, yes. Uh, 
That's one of my favorite subjects, Bill, because <laughs> I, I write about that in, in, in the book. Um, uh, all of us have wounds, deep wounds in our lives. You, you just won't escape life without some deep wounds. And God can heal all of those wounds, no matter how deep. Uh, if, uh, uh, you know, th- there's just nothing that God cannot do for you when you surrender it to him. So God is capable of healing all your wounds. But God leaves the scars. And you may think, well, why would he leave the scars? He can heal my wound. Why, why would he leave the scars? Uh, remember, when Jesus rose from the dead, that was kind of the ultimate healing, I'd say. And yet when he confronted Thomas, his disciple, who doubted, what did he use to prove that it was him? He said, look at my scars. God had left the scars, even though he raised him from the dead, because those scars are an eternal reminder of his love for us. And someday when we see Jesus, when we see those scars, we will be reminded that we're in heaven because of those scars. Mm -hmm. And they won't be marks of shame as they were intended to be when he was crucified. Oh, no, these will be marks of honor and glory and love. And uh, it is the same way with our scars, Bill. Our scars remind us um, of of what we've come through. Uh, Our scars help us to understand life better. They teach us things that we never would have learned any other way. Our scars help us to grow closer to God and to one another. Our scars help us to have a greater appreciation of our lives around us. Our scars give us a deeper understanding of what life is all about. But but the main difference between whether I see scars as shame or 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 as honor is mm-hmm. will be in my ability to forgive. Gil, what if I'm holding on to unforgiveness and I'm playing the um, the victim mentality card? <laughs> And we all do, uh, Bill. Uh, I think a lot of people, this may sound strange, actually enjoy being a victim. Oh, I, I because, agree. Yeah, I'm not as much as expected of me if I'm a victim. Right. Um, I'm off the hook to and, some degree. Uh, yeah, and, and I get sympathy, and, and uh, I don't have to take responsibility. That's why when Jesus saw this, this, uh, you know, this man at the Pool of Bethesda, who had been there for you know almost forty years? He said, "Are you are you sure you want to be healed? Because you you could have had this before now." Anyway, um, so we have to kill the victim before the victim kills us. Is a great book once said. Um, so if I continue to wallow in my victimness again, I I am only hurting myself. A lot of people will wallow in their victimness and they'll think, "And this is really going to show my offender just just how much they hurt me." I have bad news for you. They may probably have no idea they hurt you, or if they did it intentionally, they don't care that you're hurting. They're out dancing while you're out, you know, brooding. Uh, so you you need to get over the, get over yourself and not lull in that and yeah. not not continue to be the victim. You were the victim at one time. I grant you that, but you don't have to stay a victim. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like you're creating this alternate identity, which is uh, victim. I get to be a victim now. I play that card when it's convenient. Yeah, and you know we have to ask ourselves that how is that helping me? No, exactly, you know, exactly. Am I learning anything? Am I growing it at all? Uh, does it make me really feel better? Does it help me break through the give me the breakthrough yeah. I need? 
No. Yeah. Gil, let me just uh, remind listeners, your book is Forgive Your Way to Freedom, Reconcile Your Past, and Reclaim Your Future. Gil Mertz, M-E-R-T-Z, which means we've got about 90 seconds or less left. Would you, in that time, talk about the phrase forgive and forget? (laughs) Yes. If you've been struggling to forget, let me set you free today. Stop that. Stop trying to forget. It is humanly impossible. God does not press some invisible delete button on your brain and, (laughs) oh, hey, I don't remember the past anymore. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, You can't forget, so stop trying. You only get frustrated. However, we can learn to remember the past in a different way so that we can manage our emotions instead of being overwhelmed by them. I walk you through that in the book. There's a chapter, Remember How to Forget. And uh, so let me just set, put your mind at ease that you don't, you know, for, forgiving is not, a, excuse me, for, forgetting is not a part of forgiveness. Yeah. We've been yeah. sold that lie. It is not true. Uh, but you can learn to remember the past in a different way that will help you to forgive and to uh, be set free. Yeah. Gil, you're an awesome guest. Um, you're My such, great pleasure. such a delight. Well, Bill, uh, when I got uh, the invitation from uh, Rebecca, I I, uh, I was thrilled. Good. So thank you for Good. inviting me back. May, may I just mention that that uh, if they go to gilmertz.com, they can find all kinds of resources, including how to order my book. Awesome. Thanks, Gil. Have a great uh, weekend. You too, Bill. Yep. God bless. God bless. We'll Bye. take a short break, and we will be right back with lots more. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.